It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel, where I am live right now following the Carolina Panthers 37-23 win on Christmas Eve against the Detroit Lions. If you ever miss a live show, it's okay. You can check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never, never, ever, ever miss a single edition of Locked On Panthers. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday, unless it's a holiday, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. So either at me or DM me to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers. This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to. Faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. The Carolina Panthers 37, the Detroit Lions 23. The Panthers moved to 6-9 and nine on the season and 5-5 five and five under interim head coach Steve Wilkes, who in 10 games has already matched former head coach Matt Rule's win totals from the 2020 and 2021 season. Something that makes you go, hmm. Pretty obvious Steve Wilkes, a much better NFL head coach than Matt Rule. We'll get to all that conversation later on the show. But going into this game, the Panthers had to win. I felt like this was a must-win game against Detroit at home. Steve Wilkes spent the entirety of last week talking about we have to protect the bank. I had told y'all it would be hard for me to really buy into this being a playoff contender if after a win against Denver, the bye, then the big win on the road against Seattle, the only road win of the season, if the Panthers could not follow it up by beating a Pittsburgh Steelers team, who the Panthers, quite honestly, are better than. And last week, they got embarrassed. They got dominated at the line of scrimmage. And Steve Wilkes spent the entirety of this week challenging that offensive unit that, in truth, they felt embarrassed. And he he mentioned it multiple times throughout the week and today following the game after the Panthers won 37-23. He had talked about we need to reestablish our physicality at the line of scrimmage. We need to get back to that playoff mentality that he had talked about leading up to that Seattle Seahawks game. Everything he's talked about since he's came here has been about the trenches, winning up front. We can talk about quarterback play. We can talk about the skill position players. We can talk about corners, all that kind of stuff. Football can be a very simple game. Whoever wins at the line of scrimmage more times than not is going to win that game. And what we've seen in the five wins, the Panthers have dominated the line of scrimmage, which they did today. And we saw right out the gate, but the Carolina Panthers were going to respond, and they were going to be ready for Detroit with a 30-yard carry from Chuba Hubbard on the opening play of the game. In one play, 
the very first play of the game, the Carolina Panthers surpassed last week's rushing total of 21 yards. Still mind-boggling to me that Panthers on 16 carries only had 21 yards rushing. It's Pittsburgh, but right out the gate, we knew the Panthers were not going to have that kind of day as Chuba Hubbard broke leaves for 30 yards, and that was just the beginning. Five plays, 78 yards, all rushing plays on an opening drive touchdown, the first opening drive touchdown of the season for Carolina. But a few of the concerns that we had last week weren't just on the line of scrimmage. It was the Panthers' inability to get off the field on third down. Detroit, on their opening drive, goes down the field, goes two for two on third down, and honestly made it easy. And also the current concern, too, was not any pressure on Jared Goff. The Panthers got little to no pressure last week on Mitch Trubisky when they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that looked like an early trend in this game. As Carolina then has to punt on their next drive, Detroit gets it all the way down, first and goal, moving the ball easily again, not much pressure on the quarterback, but then Jared Goff, who had not had a turnover since November 6th against Green Bay, gave the Carolina Panthers a gift, which changed the game right there in the first half, and Steve Wilkes said as much after the game how they couldn't get off the field defensively last week and how they were kind of reeling there early. And it could not be the same thing that happened to them a week ago against Pittsburgh. And fortunately, Jared Goff gives them that turnover. And from right then and there, the Carolina Panthers dominated the rest of the game. Immediately after that, eight plays, 91 yards down down to, uh, down to the field for a touchdown. Chuba Hubbard in it. Deontay Foreman in it, Sam uh, Darnold throwing the ball well, running the ball as well. The Panthers' offense was rolling in the first half where 240 yards rushing, which was a franchise record for the most first-half rushing yards in franchise history, 10.9 yards per carry. They also set a franchise record in the first half for the most total yards in the first half with 364 yards. The previous total or previous high was back um, against Atlanta in 2015 where they had 349 yards uh, total in the first half of that game. They averaged 10.7 yards per play in the first half, and it was Foreman and Hubbard doing it from the get-go. Foreman with 10 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. In the first half, and Chuba Hubbard, six carries for 109 yards, rushing again in the first half. The Panthers continued to show that offensive prowess that we have not really seen throughout the season. Yes, since Steve Wilkes took over, they have established an identity running the football. We've seen in their wins that they rush for over 200 yards on the ground, and that's where it all starts with them. We know what the formula is. Run the ball well, control the line of scrimmage, and don't ask too much of Sam Darnold, who, by the way, the last two weeks – has played pretty damn well. And i got to give my rose to Sam Darnold here in a moment, and even to Ben McAdoo, who has been much maligned, and certainly people should be critical of him as the OC, and by no means am I saying he should be the long-term OC here in Carolina, but you got to give credit when his credit's due, so I'll give that to those guys later. But this offense was excellent. I was honestly sitting there at home just laughing my ass off, just considering how bad they can be at times. Really, the first five weeks of the season, but they've gotten better. They've been consistent. But it's just funny to see how one of the worst offenses we felt in Panthers history about two and a half months ago now holds franchise records for rushing yards at 320 and total yards at 570 in this game. The previous rushing total high was 299 back in 2008 versus Tampa. Uh, the previous um, total yard high was 548. I don't know who that was against, but the Panthers set franchise records with rushing yards in the first half, total yards in the first half, and in, in the total of the game, 320 yards rushing, 570 yards total. It was an offensive explosion that we have not seen in a very long time. I feel like the last time we really saw a performance like this was honestly kind of the Tampa game back in 2018. We were feeling good about this team. They were 6-2. We were talking about, hey, could this be a Super Bowl contender? That's the last time I really felt 
this good about a Panthers offense following a game. So it was awesome to see what they were able to do today in that game against Detroit. And Detroit, defensively, no, they're not great. They're 26 in the league against the run coming into the day. They're not one of the best defenses in the league. And I've known that. But they still had won six of seven because the defense had played better. Yeah, they played Zach Wilson last week. You saw him on Thursday night. The dude's terrible. But still, Detroit had gained some momentum on that side of the football. But the Carolina Panthers came out, punched him in the mouth, reestablished their physicality on the, on the line, at the line of scrimmage, and refound that playoff mentality as now they are setting up a massive game next Sunday in Tampa Bay. The Carolina Panthers are going to be playing meaningful football in January. And it's not just they were able to run the football on the offense was great defensively. Two of the things that they struggled with last week, stopping the run, getting out the field on third down, only allowed Detroit 45 yards rushing. Not like the Lions are a team that really are trying to rush the football. Jared Goff got his and more in the passing game, and a lot of it basically is garbage time because the Panthers had that game wrapped up in the first half. I know 24-7. It was some moments there where, like, hell, maybe, maybe the Panthers might let Detroit hang in there. Detroit couldn't stop the run, was never concerned about the Lions coming back and winning this game, but defensively holding 45 yards rushing after giving 157 up against Pittsburgh. And mind you, the Lions have the best offensive line by rating in the NFL this season. And the Panthers did not allow them to do anything in terms of running the football. They also got to Jared Goff a couple times, Brian Burns getting two more sacks on the afternoon. Then on third down, while they gave up their first two third downs, the rest of the way, Detroit was two of ten. So 4 of 12 for the afternoon on third down for Detroit. The Panthers played excellent on that side of the ball. Sam Darnold, who was under constant pressure last week and that loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, wasn't sacked at all. Also, didn't get pressured in the pocket one time. The offensive line basically pitched a perfect game, as was described by Ellis Williams of the Charlotte Observer in that press conference with Sam Darnold just a moment ago. 320 yards rushing, did not allow Sam Darnold to get touched in this football game, an impressive showing from this team. There was little doubt for me that they would come out and give a strong effort. I did doubt whether they would win this football game because of how well Detroit's played, particularly on the defense side of the ball, and that they had playmakers on the outside, like DJ Chark, who had a good game, like Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Khalif Raymond, who we didn't really see too much of him, but they had playmakers. And we saw earlier in that game how Detroit's putting Carolina in conflict, and maybe that fumble does not happen, and Detroit goes up 14-7, which it looked like it was. This is an entirely different ball game. Maybe it is. But seeing how the Carolina Panthers dominated the line of scrimmage, I don't think it would have changed very much at all. It might have made it a little bit closer. But this was a game that Carolina was going to win. And really, aside from the loss against Cincinnati, who right now, the Bengals, winning against uh, New England on the road, 22-18 today. If they win on Monday night next week against um, Buffalo, and then they win after that against the Ravens, they're going to be the top seed in the AFC. They're already AFC defending champions, so they're playing one of some of the best football in the NFL right now. So it's not much shame in losing that football game, but it's just how you played. But aside from losing that game after losing in overtime to Atlanta, the Panthers have always found a way to bounce back coming off of a loss. They lose to the Rams, they come back, and they beat Tampa Bay. You know, they aside from the Atlanta game, of course, I mean, they lose to the Bengals, they come back short week, beat Atlanta on the Thursday night. They lose then to the Ravens, and they come back, play well, beat up on Denver, get a win against Seattle, have the loss last week, but then bounce back in a major way with a 37-23 win to really restore hope as far as the playoffs go here in Carolina. Now, yes, they could have lost and still been in it, but they needed to win this game, and of course they win the next two games at Tampa next week and then at New Orleans the following week. The Carolina Panthers will be NFC South Division champs for the first time since 2015. But as I said, i got to give my flowers out to Sam Darnold, someone who I've been highly critical of, as he's played really well the last couple weeks. 
and even Ben McAdoo, someone who we've all been critical of for the way that they have helped this team offensively over the last couple of weeks, but especially today as the Carolina Panthers put up record after record after record in their 37-23 win against the Detroit Lions. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with user manuals, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, 100% online. Everyone deserves to feel their best. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. All the benefits of in-person therapy, plus it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with therapists. If things are clicking or they're not clicking, rather, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. That's BetterHelp.com, BetterHelp.com slash locked on. This episode of Locked On Panthers is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Once you do, be sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash Locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Carolina Panthers still alive in the NFC South title race, 37-23 on Christmas Eve against the Detroit Lions. Happy to get that win heading into Christmas tomorrow. I will say, though, man, the NFL, it's great to have football on Christmas Eve, but sometimes it's kind of like we should just be chilling, watching mindless TV and movies and all the holiday traditions that we do instead of being parked in front of the TV watching the Panthers play. But, hey, happy that they won the game. It was the coldest Panthers home game on record, 20 degrees at kickoff. God bless all the folks that went out there and watched the game. Uh, very empty seats out there. Not really surprising considering, you know, the team was 5-9 and nine going in and they had lost last week to Pittsburgh, and it was 20 degrees. But still, kudos to everyone out there who uh, watched the game and the people even who are crazy enough to take their shirts off don't really see what uh, – you're accomplishing there, but congratulations also to you for being out there and watching that game as the Panthers roll the Lions. I mean, it was 37-20 to 20. for whatever reason. Dan Campbell's like, all right, let's kick this field goal. There was, I don't know, was there anything Vegas-wise that that impacted? I can't imagine. They probably had to hit the over easily with Carolina scoring 37 points, which that's got to be a season high, right, um, considering what this offense has done throughout the year. But um, it's interesting to me because, as you all know, when I was talking to uh, Matt Derry, I believe that was his name, the uh, the host of Locked On Lions, who many of you, I have found out, were not a big fan of Matt and uh, the things he had to say about this football team. There is an inside story to that as far as the circumstances. We recorded that on Monday instead of Wednesday, which we typically do. 
He had just got back off from the airport. He had had a flight delayed in L.A., so I don't think he was very happy with me uh, to ask him to record it on Monday, even though I was taking two days off and I recorded like three shows on Monday. So that's kind of, I think, more so what it was. It wasn't really the smugness of a Lions fan seeing his team win six out of seven games and think all of a sudden the Lions have arrived. I think he was more upset with me for asking him to record the show after he had dealt with some travel issues at the airport at LAX. So not really my fault, but uh, that's what I think it was. But the other way, y'all were not uh, pleased with him. But I kind of understood it in a way because, like, the Panthers, they finally get momentum, and then they lose to a bad Steelers team. And Pittsburgh, because of some of the results in the AFC, they're now back alive in the AFC wild card race. Is it going to happen? I mean, they still got to start Mitch Trubisky or maybe Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. So don't know. Great for them. Really don't care. But I wasn't feeling good after that loss. And I know I tell you all, it's a week-to-week league. Any given Sunday, you can't get too high, can't get too low. But it's really hard to not kind of take too much out of one result, especially when you feel you're at the point where this team is going to find some sort of consistency on the ground. And Pittsburgh, against a third stringer the week prior against the Ravens, could not get off the field on third down. And they could not stop the run. And the Panthers were rolling against bad. I mean, yeah, the Broncos, great defense, couldn't stop the run. Seahawks, bad defense against the run. Panthers did their thing. But Pittsburgh, last in the league in rushing defense last year. They were top 10 at some point in the league. They were seventh, and they had fallen back to 15 going last week. They weren't as good. And Baltimore's a team, as we've seen, wants to run the football. And the Panthers are a team, as we know, want to run the football. So I was discouraged by the Panthers not being able to go out there and do it. And, yes, it's my Tomlin coach football team, and the Panthers only beat Pittsburgh one time in their franchise's history coming back in 96, so I I get all that. But still, when you start to feel good about the team, they finally do something they have not done all season long, the playoff mentality, all that, and then they lose like that, it's then hard to kind of get yourself back charged up against a team, albeit the Lions, who it's it's the Lions, but still the Lions team is playing well. So it's just funny to me. I feel like an NC State fan sometimes when watching the Carolina Panthers. And I think you State fans might understand or agree with this. Maybe you won't. I don't know, but – With the Carolina Panthers, like with NC State, when you expect the least, you get the most. When you expect the most, you get the least. And that's kind of what we saw play out today when I didn't really expect them necessarily to win the game. I thought they would be competitive. I felt like they would respond in a positive way, which they certainly did, and they showed us on the opening play of the game. But this damn team is befuddling, y'all. Like, why can't they just do this every single week? Now, of course, they're not going to run for 320 yards every week. This is not college football. It's not going to happen like that. But why can't they at least be consistent in terms of rushing for, like, 150 a week? Why can't they have the consistency that we saw with the balance in the pass game and the run game, the complimentary uh, football they played defensively? Like, why can't they be consistent? It's a young football team, and Steve Wilkes – continues to remind us that, and I've said as much as well, it's a young team, still learning how to win, trying to piece things together, and we know all of the circumstances of what has been one of the weirdest Carolina Panthers seasons that we've, that we've ever had. I know we've always tried to liken back to 2014 and what happened there. That team was coming off a great year, and it wasn't like a coach got fired after the first five weeks. It wasn't like your supposed best player in Christian McCaffrey got traded, and Christian obviously is still a great player. I'm not saying he's not, but the offense got better after losing Christian. And that's more philosophy, I think, 
than the utilization of players. And maybe that is also goes hand in hand. I think you kind of understand what I'm trying to go from, go with that here, but there's so many wild things that have happened this season. So you can understand how, like when everything is chaos around you, it might be hard for the team to be hundred percent locked in as a young team and find the consistency week in and week out to play the way that they played today and that they played against Seattle and against the Denver Broncos and even against the Falcons, both times, one of them in a loss, like they play hard, they play well. And, you know, they don't make mistakes like they didn't make a mistake today in those turnovers. Then this Panthers team can compete with most teams in the league. Like, are they going to compete with Cincinnati, who might be the best team in the AFC? Probably not, as we saw. But they should be a lot better than they were in that game. So, in San Francisco, we saw. They got blown out. But they should be much better in that game. I don't know how big the gap really is between the Niners and the the Panthers and the Panthers and the Bengals. And we can even throw in Kansas City and and, uh and Philadelphia, I guess, right now, and all those other teams. But I don't think it's as wide as we saw when they played two of the best teams in the NFL this year early on in the season. So, week-to-week league, all that. I just want consistency. So, hopefully, fingers crossed for the next two weeks, this Panthers team that we saw today, and we've seen in the five wins under Steve Wilkes, hopefully this is the same team that we can see over the next two weeks at Tampa and at New Orleans. They certainly need to be, considering they've only won one time on the road. So, while we're going to be excited now, we're going to get our hopes up, we still have to understand that the Lions' defense ain't good and that you're still having to do something that you have not done, you've only done one time, which is go on the road and win. But you're going to have to do it twice. So, not to the Panthers can't do it, they absolutely can do it. I think that I would not be shocked that they do it. I would not be shocked that they don't do it. I'm hoping for the best. Now, two guys that will be key to the Carolina Panthers being able to finish out with three game winning streak and go eight and nine, win the NFC South, are going to be Sam Darnold and Ben McAdoo. If you all been watching this podcast or listening to it since I started over, so really listening to it since I started it back in uh, March of 2021, one of my first episodes was talking about how I did not think Carol- that the Carolina Panthers should go after Sam Darnold. And we saw last year why I felt that way. He was not good. But since getting that reset and getting injured in the final preseason game against Buffalo with that ankle injury and having to sit out and watch Baker and watch PJ and kind of sit back, study the playbook, and understand the mental aspect of the game, Sam Darnold has played well. We've also seen him do that last year in that three-game stretch to start the season, but still, Sam Darnold is playing good football, and he's doing what the Panthers are asking him to do, which is really don't mess up, take care of the football, and when we ask you to pass the ball, be accurate, be on time, and make those plays short yard, intermediate, and down the field. And Sam Darnold has checked every single one of those boxes over the last four weeks of the season where it's been the first time in his career where he's gone four games in a row without a turnover. Longest streak he's ever had. So credit to Sam. Honestly, credit to Sam Darnold for giving the Panthers and the rest of the NFL, I guess outside of the Jets, something to look at as far as what his future could be in the NFL. Is this Sam Darnold finally turning things around and showing that he actually can be a franchise quarterback? I don't know. He's not under contract here next season. We'll see how the coaching market plays out, whether it's Wilkes or someone else, and what Scott Bitter and, of course, David Tepper, the owner, want to do here with the quarterback position. I would still imagine they're probably going to draft someone in the first round over wanting Sam Darnold to be the guy. Sam Darnold could be a bridge. I don't know. But Sam has played well. 15-22 for 250 yards. And a touchdown through the air, six carries, 19 yards, touchdown, had a 121.4 passer rating. I'd say he's played well compared to everything we've seen of him in totality throughout his career. He has played good football, especially the last two weeks. The first two weeks, it wasn't like they were asking him to do that much, but he helped the team win by not turning the football over very easily. Could have done it 
against the Broncos. Same thing with the Seahawks. If uh, Tariq Woolen's able to intercept that pass, that was intended to DJ Moore in that opening drive. But he has to turn the football over. So you have to give him credit. My mother always told me, give credit when credit's due. And y'all know, I don't believe in Sam Darnold. He's played well. I still don't believe in him. I'm kind of just sitting here waiting for something bad to happen. But so far, so good for Sam. And he's helping the team win. So I'm very happy to see that with Sam Darnold over the last couple weeks because I want him to succeed because he seems like a good dude, and I want the Panthers to win. So both of those things are happening three of the last four weeks. So good for Sam, good for the Panthers. Another person who I'm going to give flowers to, at least for today, is Ben McAdoo. He's not a good offensive coordinator. He's not a good play caller. He's probably never going to have another OC opportunity in the NFL. Probably doesn't deserve one. But he did a great job today in getting this game plan together. I understand that really it's Steve Wilkes who said, we're going to run the damn ball because I'm a defensive guy. I don't need this pass-happy offense that's going three and out after 17 seconds and tiring out my defense. So I understand that. But McAdoo, he kept him on to call the plays. And we can sit here and complain about Ben McAdoo and the losses and the situations like Seattle where you're down there running the football well and you get to the red zone or get first and goal and you don't run the ball at all from the four-yard line. That, that's wild. You can complain about that, but you also have to give the man credit for being able – to help this team establish an identity on offense by rushing the football. Because since Wilkes took over, like that, he told Ben McAdoo, this is what we're going to do. You, you come up with the Arby's package. They get has Cade Mays in the backfield as a fullback. You bring in Cam Irving and Michael Jordan. You bring in those guys to help run the football. You put a greater emphasis on Shuba Hubbard and on Deontay Foreman. And you find a way to make Sam Darnold comfortable early on in the offense with a lot of these play actions in the bootlegs and those short throws on this underneath crossing routes to the tight ends, whether it be Tommy Trimble or whether it be Ian Thomas, catch the football, please. But you've been able to get him comfortable. So that credit has to really go to Ben McAdoo along with the entirety of the offense and the coaching staff for finding that identity. When you look at today, they average 8.8 yards per play. 320 on the ground, that's 7.4 yards per rush. Foreman with 21 carries, 165 yards, touchdown. Hubbard, 12 carries, 125 yards. 250 through the air with Sam Darnold. Goose egg as far as turnovers. Four for six in the red zone. 30 first downs, 11 of them coming on passing plays. 16 of them on rushing plays. The other three uh, were awarded via penalty. So don't get me wrong. Ben McAdoo, not the guy I want to see here long-term as the OC, whether Wilkes gets a job or someone else. But you got to give him some credit to be able to help this offense over the last 10 games of the season and how they played, especially when establishing an identity and running the football. Still have my complaints. You certainly should have them. But after being the OC and helping create the game plan for literally the best offensive performance in Panthers history, maybe, just maybe, we should hit it, sit here and say, well, job, well, well done, coach. Good job. Please do it again next week so we can at least praise you again. And then after that, you know, in a couple weeks' time, Go find a new job. So that's where I'm at with Ben McAdoo. So congratulations to him and Sam Darnold for how they played or how they, you know, helped the team win today uh, against the Detroit Lions 37-23. to Now the Panthers, by winning, have now restored their playoff hopes. The playoff hopes were never over after losing to Pittsburgh. As I told you all, I felt like they were likely going to three and – I mean – they, if they were going to go to the playoffs, they weren't going to win four straight, and really six straight at the end of the season. They were probably going to lose one of the last four games. I thought that might be Detroit going to last week against Pittsburgh. Well, it turns out it was Pittsburgh. Now, fingers crossed, they can win next week against Tampa and then follow it up with a win at New Orleans. We'll see how they handle prosperity. We'll look at the NFC playoff picture now as the Carolina Panthers win, get to six and nine. Nice. 
and are getting into the biggest game of the year on the road next weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That coming up here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Before that, y'all know I've been talking a lot about prize picks, and by now you should know how it works. Uh, pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. Price picks offers projections on any sport that you can watch. This includes the National Football League, the NBA, Major League Baseball when it comes back, NHL, PGA Tour, college football, men's and women's college basketball, esports, NASCAR, where I work, cricket, and so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and north of the border of us in Canada. Download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. When you download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, looking over at 538, it gives the Carolina Panthers a 30 1% chance to make the playoffs following their 37-23 to 23 win against Detroit on Christmas Eve. If Tampa Bay were to lose to the Arizona Cardinals, it only goes up to 39%, which is interesting to me. The Bucks and Cardinals playing in the desert on Christmas Day. Yikes. Have y'all looked at the Christmas Day slate? Awful games. Way to go, NFL. I know you can't really flex it out. I know what you were hoping but I will not be watching any NFL on Sunday. I will at least be checking out the scores to see if Tampa wins or loses. I would expect that they're going to win because they're playing a third-string quarterback. Now, if Tampa wins, the Panthers' chances go down to 29%. So currently, as they stand, the Panthers are still with their half game back at Tampa Bay, who is 6-8, and eight, and the Panthers are, again, 6-9. and nine. Nice. So 31% chance going to 538 as we sit here right now at 523 on Christmas Eve, 39% if Tampa loses, which I don't think is going to happen. If Tampa wins, then 29%. But really, it all boils down to next week in Tampa. Panthers win that game, 67% chance to be in the playoffs. They, of course, need to win the following week at the, Super Bowl, at the Superdome against New Orleans. And the Saints are still alive in this. The Falcons somehow have not been eliminated, even though they're 5-10, and 10, and starting a rookie third-rounder at quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They lost to the Ravens today. Don't know how Ritter played, but the Falcons stink. They're going to finish in last place, just like I thought was going to happen going into the year. So, whatever. Forget them. They're not going to the playoffs. The Saints get the win on the road in the snow against the Cleveland Browns. Browns gave all that money to Sean Watson, traded all those picks, went through all that hell, and what did he get them? Uh, not to the playoffs like they never go, basically. So congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. Maybe it'll work out in the end. Either way, don't care. So the Panthers, Falcons, sorry, not Falcons, the Panthers, Saints, Buccaneers, those are the three teams that are sitting here competing for the playoffs. Now, 
you can wonder, okay, who's actually lingering, as in, like, who is a real threat and who's loitering? I feel like the Saints right now, a game behind Carolina, or I guess another tie with Carolina, but a half game behind Tampa. I think they're loitering. I don't think the Saints are going to be a playoff team. Now, you can probably say that about the entirety of the NFC South, considering it's a terrible division, and by no means should any of these teams be in the playoffs. I guess you get to 8-9. Is that respectable? I mean, nine and eight at least is a winning season if Tampa wins out. It's not respectable, so never mind. But the Carolina Panthers still alive for their first NFC South Division title since 2015. If they win next week, then they followed up with the win against the Saints. And this is going to be the real test of this team's ability to handle prosperity. Because as we saw, following a big one on the road, they laid an egg against Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh wins out. They're a playoff team. We'll see. But that's a game they should have won. You cannot lose that game to Pittsburgh. I get it, the crowd. I don't care. You got to beat Pittsburgh considering the circumstances of what was on the line. Now they got a mulligan, and they took advantage of it at least for one afternoon. We'll see what happens tomorrow afternoon, when this, whatever the game's at, uh, is. against. It's going to be in the afternoon because they're playing out in the desert, but whatever, against Tampa and Arizona. But still, the Panthers have to be able to go on the road and win a big game next Sunday. And then after that, they have to be able to go to what could still be a very noisy environment if the Saints are still alive in Week 18, which I think is possible. I haven't really gone through the whole grid and figured out whether it would be or not, but it's to me, it comes down to beating Tampa Bay. Because really, first and foremost, that's the most important thing. And that's what Steve was going to talk about all week long, being like, we're not really focused on the playoffs. We are focused on doing what we do and going and beating a Bucks team. That has won a division last season, and they are not that far removed from the Super Bowl. They are by no means a Super Bowl contender. But they still have players who know what it takes to win a division, that have the taste of the Lombardi Trophy, and oh yeah, they have Tom Brady. So it's going to be a challenge. The Panthers already beat the brakes off them earlier this season. Can they do it again? If they play the way they play today, there's absolutely no reason not to believe they can't win next week in Tampa Bay and then fall up and win in New Orleans. So as we've discussed for weeks, how important that game could be. It is finally here. Panthers, Bucks, first place in the NFC South on the line next Saturday or next Sunday afternoon. They're playing a meaningful football game in January. Who would have thought? I saw Adam Schefter tweeted out, you know, after the Panthers fired Matt Rule after a one and four start, right as week six is starting, they are now here two and a half months later in a position where if they went out, they're going to be hosting a playoff game. It's wild that we're even here, but it's a credit to Steve Wilkes, who again, Five and five now as the Panthers head coach has matched both Matt Rule's season win totals from 2020 and 2021, showing that you don't need seven years or whatever the plan was to get this team in position to compete and be a playoff team. There was a reason why I thought they would be a playoff team this year. A lot of it had to hinge upon a quarterback position, that being Baker Mayfield. It hasn't necessarily happened that way, but they're right here where I hoped and thought that they could be way back in the summer. Not the way I thought it was going to go down, but if you get to the dance, does it really matter how you got there? No, at least not in my opinion. And we can talk about all the other ramifications of draft position and yada, yada, yada once it's all said and done and what the Carolina Panthers do going into the offseason. But as I've let y'all, as I've let it be known, I want them to win because I hate coming up here and talking to y'all when they don't. Because when I do, hey, let's see, live show right now, got 115. Last week live show, we had like 12 people. So what do you think I want to happen? The Panthers will win because y'all don't tune in if they lose. So there we go. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show, 
on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. We're, of course, following every Carolina Panthers game. I go live, and anytime there's any breaking news, I will go live as soon as possible. If necessary, if you ever miss any of those live editions or any show on YouTube, it's okay. They're right there on your podcast feed, wherever you listen to your podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, subscribe so you never miss a single edition of the show. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, for all my commentary on whatever is going through this head of mine. And, of course, to participate in the weekly Friday mailbag, where you either at me or DM me there on Twitter. But don't get crazy. And I'll answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions coming up this Friday on the 30th as we do that. Again, y'all. Stay safe, be happy, be whole, keep pounding, stay warm as well. I know there's been a lot of Duke power outages for the folks here in Charlotte, fortunately for me. Fingers crossed, I haven't lost any power here at my apartment. Um, so, again, stay safe there. Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, also, happy Hanukkah, I think that's still going on. I don't know. Um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there. Thank you again for your support, for watching the show, for subscribing to the show, for supporting me. Um, hate watching, hate listening, if that's what you do. I don't care. Either way. Happy the Panthers got a win. Big, big, big week coming up here as we lead up to that Tampa game. And the Panthers could be in control right there of the NFC South with that win if they can go on the road and beat Tampa Bay. So plenty of that coverage coming up throughout the week here, even with the holidays. Still going to be out here every single day this week breaking down this game. So check it out. That's why you need to subscribe so you don't miss it. So in the meantime, again, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I will talk to you all on... Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Goodbye. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.